might as well, yeah. Omar and Cedric were out of control. Fucking yeah. out of control. At some point, Cedric shoves his mic under oh, the back of Omar's t-shirt and sings through <laughs> his t-shirt. And then he gets mad at the fucking crowd for moshing. <laughs> Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different band, different artists, and we listen to one of their records. We break it down. We get into the lyrics, music, how it was made, where it was made, and everything in between, and we try to have a good time doing it. My name is Tyler, and way out there, hundreds of miles away, is Jeff. While you're listening, go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars and five stars only. Don't be that jerk. Please don't be that jerk. Bocephus. Don't be a Bocephus. Do not do, don't be that man. Um, while you're listening, oh yeah, yeah, all the social media is at Asinine Radio. Go follow us on Instagram, all that shit, TikTok, whatever, wherever you want to go. We're on there. We're on even some of the more obscure apps. Shit, you probably never even heard of. We're on there. Shit. We're on, I'm not going to say where else we're at, but Spotify. Um, we are, yeah, well, of course we're on Spotify. Um, coming soon, hopefully, video podcasts. Hopefully, that is coming very, very soon. We're uh, we're gonna start rolling that out um, in the very very near future. So Roll that stay tuned out. for that. What is, what is like a fucking Fortune 500 company over here? <laughs> <laughs> we gotta prepare for it, man. We gotta we gotta hype the people up. We gotta hype them oh, up. That's good. Oh man. All right. Quarter anyway, chill. what <laughs> what are we doing today, Jeff? We're doing at the drive-ins relationship of command. Now, Jeff, what is your uh, what's your origin story with at the drive-in? And uh, yeah, so what do you got? Go. Um, I, I again, I don't, I don't, because I, I think I said this on in Raleigh episode, but I don't remember the exact day date. It was it was through you in some capacity, either at the drive-in or Mars Volta. Um, so I don't remember like when it first started, but I do mm-hmm. remember just like loving this album, and even non-musical friends of ours loved a lot of these songs. Especially like Infilade, like like our group of friends just like came together on that song. So, so I, I don't know. I don't know when it was. Um, it had to have been like towards the end of high school. Okay, but um, yeah, I don't know. Kind of boring. <laughs> That's fine. It's, it's an origin <laughs> story. What do you expect? Um, so yeah, my my origin is uh, eighth grade. It was it was in eighth grade. I saw the video. It was right when the album was coming out. I think it just come out actually. And uh, I saw the video for um, for One Arm Scissor. I believe it was on MTV. I don't think I don't think MTV Two was even a thing yet. But it was like really late at night, and I saw that. And it it I didn't really like it because I didn't I didn't I'd never heard anything like it before. And then it took me like a couple weeks, and hearing it more and more, I really got into it. And then I actually ended up just burning a copy of this. I didn't actually buy this on CD. I burned a copy of it. And then just I've been a fan of of at the at the drive-in ever since, and obviously the Mars Volta and everything related to the band. But that was that's my origin story is 
is um, eighth, eighth grade of high school or grade eight, as some people say uh, internationally. Grade eight. Uh, grade eight. <laughs> so, silly. Yeah, yeah. People are silly outside of the United States. But uh, yeah, so th- that's what I got. Um, what are you, so then what are your initial thoughts? Are, what are your thoughts on this, this album, Relationship of Command? Just, just off, yeah, it's kind of on topic. I like when bands release a, a greatest hits, a best of, whatever, that's not just titled best of greatest hits. Like mm. they're, they're, this station is non-operational. I like when bands do that. I think that's cool. Yeah. I'm surprised because, you have such a connection with that, that comp. I mean, it's because it's 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 accessible. It's it's a fucking greatest hits comp, and it's I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I had it. I I got it on CD when it when it came out, but I don't. It's just I don't think it's I've a ever weird had comp, any though. The I don't think I've ever had any at the drive-in on CD. Really? Okay. I don't think I, so. I mean, really, I now that I think about it, the only at the drive-ins I had I've ever had on that I bought. Where relationship or not relationship, but uh, station the station is non operational and via the only ones I ever got on CD. Yeah, everything else is always burned. <laughs> Fucked up as that is, but whatever. I spent enough on this band on this on this on those two guys anyway with that damn bo- Mars Volta box set. That's true. That so, true. um, I don't feel bad. But put to the ringer on that one. Yeah, let's uh, uh so first impressions of the album. I don't I don't remember the first time I heard this album in its entirety. I uh I, I just remember a time where I, I never heard about the drive in and then I remember a time that I love this album. So there was like no middle ground. So I think like probably the first time you played this for me, I was like, Holy fuck, this is really, really goddamn good. Because how can you not like the opening of Arc Arsenal, right? Like that right, yeah. it sets the tone for this album. And if you've never listened to this band, it sets a tone for the band, like what they perfected, what sound they perfected. So, so my first impression of the album is is Arc Arsenal, like that's that that's setting the tone for this band, and kind of like I don't know, bleeding into like the Mars Volta. It's kind of saying like, hey, here's a lot of like soundscapes we're doing. Mm-hmm. They don't know it yet, but I knew it when I listened to it. I said, yeah, they're gonna be better. They're gonna do something else. They're gonna do something different. And it's gonna be great. So I, I knew sure that before they knew it. So <laughs> you did. <laughs> yeah. You knew you knew it after they had already made the Mars Volta. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, my first impression. I when I the moment I heard this this record, I I absolutely loved it. But I mean, like I said, it took me a little while to a few weeks to get into the into one arm scissor, but then once I heard the album in its entirety, it was uh it was so great and I just remember like th- there was the hype around this record when it came out. I remember not a lot of people at, at school really were into this. I remember seeing people have this like the, the cover like in their binders. Remember how like we had the binders like the, the clear the clear front so you could put like pictures and stuff in there? Yeah. I remember a lot of kids had had the relationship of command like little CD booklet in their in that in their binders. And uh, and yeah, so that that's my first impression. I, mean, I loved it when I first heard it. And then like right after that the fucking band breaks up and then at that point you know the mars volta kind of starts and then that's a totally different rabbit hole which we've gotten into before on the pod so go check out the the numerous times yeah go check out the mars volta episodes because they're fucking great they're fun but uh but yeah that's my first impression i just i loved this record i it's it just sounded so fucking different there's nothing that sounded like at the drive-in i mean although i had never heard fugazi but that's really the only band you could, I feel like you can really compare at the drive-in to 
is Fugazi. Not, not this, not this era of, of at the driving though. Yeah, earlier at the driving, but yeah, but even even then, like it's 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 not that big of a comparison. But anyway, oh and two. Um, oh. <laughs> so what? What? So do you have any stinkers on this record? No, yeah. I, 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 I mean, full disclosure, every song's a banger. Even the two bonus. Did you do the bonus? We did the bonus. Yeah, I, I did the bonus because yeah. I've never known this album to not be the bo- have the bonus yeah. tracks. Of and those two bonus tracks are, God, fucking beyond bangers. They're so good. Yeah, extracurricular and catacombs. Actually, uh, until this week, I never knew that they were bonus songs. Because <laughs> I've always I, I known always, this record yeah. to have them. I always thought they were part of the record too. Yeah. So um, now that I think about it, this is my vinyl. Hold on. Let me see. Hold on. Oh, he's leaving. Oh. Oh, I just realized, yeah, my vinyl doesn't have extracurricular on it. Mine doesn't either. Yeah. Well, yeah, the boot. My boot. Your boot. Yeah, my... It's kind of weird, like, because I, I know those songs very well, so, like, why the fuck? I guess just listening to this band often enough, I know those songs. I think that's kind of weird, for me, at least. Well, I think it's because, you know, you whatever copy you had prior to the streaming sites were was mine, and my, my burned copy I had of this record had extracurricular and... Had the bonus songs on here. That's probably true. Like my, like my iPod version probably has both of the songs on it. Yeah, because you stole all the music from me. So. Oh, not all oh, of the music. Most of it. Most Joe Baca gave me a lot of music. Yeah, but you took most of it from me. Most of it. But anyway, yeah. I, I, got, I have an OG copy of Relationship of Command. I paid a, kind of a pretty penny for this one, but no regrets. Got this one from uh, Grace Records. Remember? I was with you. Or no, actually, you got it no. for me. Now that I think about yeah. it. Oh, yeah, hold on there, you dude. picked it up you, for me. Yeah. I picked that up. That was early on. That was before I was spending money because I would have that that <laughs> that would be in my collection right now if it was today's times. But I got that from Wooden Wooden Nail or Wooden Tooth. I can't remember what it's called, but they're in Tucson. That's when I visited Tucson. Mm-hmm. I went to three record stores in Tucson, and that was on the wall. And I asked him if he would go down. And he's like, dude, I'd put it up there this morning. And I'll go. So I didn't, but uh, yeah, it was like one twenty. It's not bad. Yeah, for an OG, and it's it's a fucking obviously an amazing record. But um, anyway, so I I have I have no stinkers. Uh, every song is a banger for me on this one. Uh, let's jump into One Arm Scissors since we've already played it. Uh, this is this is a single. They did have a music video for this one. It's just a a you know compilation of uh, live videos, like tour things and. It's not like a yeah. traditional kind of music it's video. It's silly. Yeah. It's silly. I, but, I, I, so oh, I, man. God, man, like my rankings changed so much. I really took time and I really thought about these because normally I do B's and by the time I get to like the latter half of the album, I'm like, eh, fuck it. Low B, mid B, whatever. I really did try and take time because One Arm Scissors is my 7B. Ooh, that is low. I know. I, Holy I, shit. It's my yeah. 3B. It is my One 3B. One Arm Scissors is my 7B. It's too much of a classic, man. It's, man, the highs and lows, the dynamics of this song is, is incredible. And fucking Tony's drumming, the, the way he 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 made he gets this this song to flow is so fucking awesome. Which is like the subtle drumming during the verses, and then fucking Paul is ripping it up on the bass during those verses. Omar and and Jim kind of have that that I don't want to say stop and go kind of thing with their guitars, but. It's hard to explain. There's a lot of cool shit in the song. I I agree. I agree. I like the bass sound. 
I like that very low and burpy thing. And then when it gets yeah. into that like descending riff, that and then like the cool guitar parts, right? At the end of that descending bass riff, we get those really light high notes. It's almost like harmonics that he's throwing in there. There's a lot of really, really cool stuff. And I like how dirty and fuzzed out the staccato guitar, the that's that's like super blown out. He's like fuzzed to the max. It sounds obnoxious. Love it. Dude, the second verse is just absolute chaos. Both guitars hitting those single notes all over the place, but are still <laughs> kind of like playing off each other. And this is Omar pushing Jim to be better, right? Because this is like the first time we've heard Jim not just straight up like do chords all the way through. Now Jim's like playing fucking guitar like Omar's playing guitar, learning yeah. things, adapting. It's a weird like kind of har- they're It's a weird kind of harmony that they're doing. It's, it's they're harmonizing like, off of each other in that second verse. It's really weird. It's like scene kid harmony. It's just I don't yeah. know. Like nobody yeah. else nobody else does this shit. <laughs> scene nobody kid does harmony, it. that's good. That's really good. I also like the quick drum rolls before the, the getaway part in the chorus. He does this roll like like really, really quick roll like brrr, get away, get yeah. away. It's so goddamn good. Oh god, and then that one that one hit that Tony does on just the snare in the floor, Tom. That dun, it's just that that one big, heavy, deep, low hit is just it's such a simple transition into the next part. It's it's perfect. It's his drumming. His drumming is like one of my favorite things about this record because every song, every song has has a very unique drum, very unique drum part or drum section. You know what I mean? Like I can, I don't even none of his drumming sounds the same. My favorite things about this record, like personally, like the personnel, I should say. Yeah, I think right. I think this week it's Tony Cedric. Omar, Jim, and Paul, but I mean, it really—I think it just depends on the day, or really when you break down the song, because there are some songs where Paul fucking shines too. I mean, his bass cuts through this mix so nice; it sounds so good. <laughs> and this is one of those examples, like you said, you know, the, the the deep guttural part in the verses, and then the 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 what is it, ascending, descending, whatever line it is, whatever. Dude, it's yeah. fucking amazing. It's so simple too. It's so simple. Sounds like some shit we would come up with. It is. I mean, it's just it's, just <laughs> it's, it's really the it's same a, thing. Yeah, scaling down and it's it's, yeah. it's 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 elementary. It's it's day three of a bass class of a guitar class, <laughs> but I don't know to input it somewhere and then have it like succeed is is difficult. It's hard yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I I I mentioned like Kirk Hammond a lot because he every fucking soul that I've ever heard him do is always in like the minor pentatonic. That's all he ever fucking does. Yeah. But he's like, he's mastered it and it sounds fine and it's good. And it's made him a lot of money and 40 years have gone by and he's still doing it. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. And it's fine. Yeah. I agree with you on that one. I think like, I think just because you've listened to so <laughs> much fucking Omar, like <laughs> me, me coming into this week, like my, my two, my two favorites are Omar and Jim. And the way they play off each other. Like that was They do. I've never heard it this way until this week. And I really listened to a lot of Omar and I listened to just like a lot of stuff that is in the family of At the Drive In. And I just like, yeah. God damn, man, these guys, this album in particular, like Omar pushed Jim to his limit. But then Jim also kind of like reeled in Omar to be a little bit more melodic and not as obnoxious. Yeah, I never really noticed the interplay between Jim and Omar until Interalia came out and then hearing Keely and Omar do it and just being kind of blown away at how great they they mesh on that record and I'm like 
do Jim and Omar do it do this as well? So I I remember I remember going back to relationship and then really hearing that back and forth. But it's not it's not nearly as intricate, I feel, as Keely and Omar is. I think Keely's just like a I think from a technical standpoint, I think Keely's a better guitar player. Yes. But for but sure. the but the way that Jim plays it with more of like you like we've talked about the he plays the chords he plays more of a rhythm guitar rather than more of a kind of a lead kind of thing that Keeley does on Interalia, but their interplay on on relationship is 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 crazy good because most rhythm players don't play like this they 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 play very much more straightforward things but there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance to Jim's playing on this record in every song every fucking song and like bringing it back to like ACDC right like mm-hmm. you don't hear malcolm solo a lot because angus was just better and you don't hear angus hit a lot of those really really cool like semi-intricate rhythm parts because malcolm was better and so like you each kind of stay in their lane but on this record you do hear jim hit these like kind of more intricate <sighs> weird parts that are opposite omar and omar's pushing him to be better but then you hear like the din 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 din. I don't know who came up with that, but I swear to you that was Jim. <laughs> it's I very guarantee you that was Jim. Yeah, it sounds like a very Jim thing. And like you, you brought it up too earlier. A lot of a lot of that first Sparta record has a lot of those kind of that feel to it as well. Yeah, especially cut your ribbon. God damn, do you like Omar? Ugh, I know I'm late to the fucking ball game here, but like Omar, Omar <laughs> impressed me this week. He was. I, I was that, all about it. I was all about it, baby. That's good. Now <laughs> you're now you're it. finally gonna become an Omar man. It's finally Dude, happened. I, I I put zero equals two, whatever the fuck that album is on my yeah. want list. Yeah, the the Freshante record, the one that yeah. Omar did with Freshante. Yeah. So I, I'm still continuing on to next week and the week after. I'm still gonna listen to a lot of Omar stuff. Um, just trying to get through as much as I possibly can. There's a lot of boring solo stuff though. There really, really is. I do want to listen. I do want to re-listen to Bosnian Rainbows um, because oh, I hated I that know. when it first came out. It's not but, good. Okay, and then also, um, <laughs> fuck, what's the other one? Check out, um, check out the the album he did with his his ex girlfriend, um, Zemena. It's called Tycho Zorente. It's um, it's on Spotify, but it's more of an electronic based thing, and they both sing on that record. But I don't, there's something about that record that I really really love. It's not a, it's it like I said it's more electronic but it's fucking good. Tycho Zorente, check it out. I highly I mean, recommend I'm, that. I'm, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna dive into it. I, I think Omar in general, um, kind of like stays in his lane that he knows more often than not. But mm-hmm. it's a good lane. It's a fun ride. He knows how to perfect that sound, and like nobody fucking sounds like Omar. Just no, honestly, nobody sounds like Omar. He's he's always on the verge of falling apart. In his music, and even in like like my favorite song, right? I mentioned Omar Arthritis. Like, did it, it sounds stupid. Like, if you isolated <laughs> just that guitar part for that it makes little no bridge, sense. it's just dumb. It's just like, let me just hit a yeah. bunch of fucking frets here and see if it sounds good. Like, I don't know. And then I you and I know. both, you and I both watched the um, the big day out performance that at the drive-in did in in two thousand. Maybe it was two thousand. No, it was two thousand. And uh, they only played fifteen minutes because they stormed off the stage because people were slam dancing. And uh, dude, that <laughs> the first they played Arc Arsenal, then they played what the fuck did they play? Did they play Pattern against User? I think they played Pattern, and then they played. Then they played One Arm Scissor. Then right. Well, regardless, they, no, they, they played. No, they played Catacombs. They okay, played catacombs. okay, yes. Yeah. 
Well, well, my my point was they started with Arc Arsenal. It's such a cool performance, but it is so out of fucking control. No, it's just it's it's a mess. It's an absolute. It doesn't sound very good, but the amount of energy they they they, they put into that one song to start out Big Day Out was was insane. It was so fucking insane. Omar was so out of tune because he was so crazy with his guitar. Every note he hit it was, was just flopping everywhere. He was, yeah, like, dude. He was just he was like dancing around, clapping his hands as the guitar's going from his back. And at some point, like it hits him in his butt, and he yeah. like grabs it because he's like, "Oh yeah, this is hitting me kind of hard." And like, uh, dude, I I guess we can talk about Big Day Out now because might as well, yeah. Omar and Cedric were out of control, fucking yeah, out of control. At some point, Cedric shoves his mic under oh the back of Omar's t-shirt and sings through his t-shirt. <laughs> And then he gets mad at the fucking crowd for moshing. Like, dude, I put that that in my notes too. That he puts it under his shirt. It's one of the most insane, funniest thing ever. Like, what are you doing? And like Omar doesn't even like miss a beat. Doesn't even probably didn't fucking notice. Yeah, because yeah, his fucking guitar is flying around. And this is like this is like peak Omar when he has his like legs together, and then the yeah. next like millisecond they're like splitting. They're apart. noodles. Yeah, they're fucking. Yeah. His legs are like noodles. <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> insane. I've never seen yeah. anybody move like that. I mean, he did that kind of shit in Mars Volta, but not to that extreme. Yeah. Man, he was, and his guitar is like as tall as him. You know, it's as dude, big as probably him. Probably weigh like hundred and five pounds, if that, dude. Yeah, he was. God, he's so small. But fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those two were, but but even Jim was getting kind of crazy too. Like I think he ended up breaking what I think at the end of Arc Arsenal he broke one of his guitar. He broke the guitar. I saw him take it off and I saw him like throw it, but I don't know if it if somebody caught it or I don't know what happened. It looks like he tossed it. Yeah, okay, um, so you saw but it like too. if if you didn't if you didn't know the song Arc Arsenal, be going into it, you would have no idea what they're fucking playing because they play it. I don't want to say they play it like shit, but because I can't think of a better word for it, they intentionally play it like shit. Yeah. If you didn't know what it was, you're not going to know what it is halfway through the song. No, because it was so out of tune. Everybody was so out of tune. The it only just, person that was holding it together were Tony and Tony and Paul. Everybody yeah. else was out of their fucking mind. Jim, I've never, outside of that performance, I've never seen Jim get that crazy ever. <laughs> and he wasn't even getting that crazy, but it was it wasn't just even that crazy. <laughs> Ah oh, man, that w- it was such a cool performance. It was really cool. And then there was one point too where you can tell Cedric or not Cedric uh, Omar really wanted to jam and like really do an extended thing, but nobody really could figure out what to do. Like they never, you could tell they never really jammed before, but Omar really wanted to, and it was just this wall of distortion. It just, it just sounded like fucking shit. It yeah. was at the end of Arc. I think it was at the end of Arc. No, the end of the, the, Catacombs. The, I think right. Something no, like that. The second song, I think, it was in the second song when it was okay, just kind of yeah. like it was bleeding out, and all you hear was just that one, almost like he rang out a chord and then just put like the the, the delay on indefinitely and just yeah. kept going and going and going and going and going. But I think that's that's like an early indicator of what Omar wanted to do musically was just, hey man, I know I'm not that great at the guitar, but I want to be better. I want to do other things. Let's just see where it goes. And like that's that's what jamming is, dude. I think well, that's what he wanted true, to do dude. for sure. And that's eventually what, what led to a lot of these good and bad parts of, of, of the Mars Volta. True. And what was so cool is that, so I watched that, that 15 minute performance and then it YouTube auto played 
and then it played Mars Volta playing at Big Day Out two two years later, and and I just I kind of wasn't paying attention, and I'm like, dude, this is a really good song. Is this not the driving song? And then I looked, and I see John Theodore, and it was Mars Volta, and they're breaking into um, Roulette Dares, and just the the intensity from watching at the drive into Roulette Dares, the intensity was still there, but it was just so much more complex. It was it was such a cool transition that I wasn't I wasn't expecting, and to hear them hear that flow it just it, it, the transition was weirdly good from the end of that that at the driving set to to Mars Volta and then I ended up watching the whole hour long set of Mars Volta cuz dude I highly recommend everybody go check out that big day out performance that the Mars Volta did back then it's 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 incredible it's fucking incredible truly kind of they were at their prime during that era you know Fuck, like it was even, so good even roulette dares that's a very that's a very at the driving sounding song. That's a very it like post hardcore sounding song. There's a lot of parts that that's a very like dumbed down kind of not quite like Francis and then later on Marge Volta sounding thing. That's a very like rock driven song. It is. Oh, totally. Totally. That's cool. Damn, man. Good stuff. I'm sure we're gonna we're we're gonna keep going back to Mars Volta because how can you not? They're so good too. But anyway, one arm scissor. Um, what do you have lyrically on this one? Uh, supposedly about the intense Turing at the drive-in did. Um, I don't know though. Like one arm scissor, is that a knife? Because like all fucking scissors are one yeah. arm. You can That's use scissors true. with one arm. Yeah. Yeah. I, right? you know, honestly, I know. Let, let me just this? say this. I don't know what <laughs> most of these lyrics are about. I think a lot of them are just nonsense. I think people look way too into these lyrics. I feel like, Cedric at this time especially he just wrote lyrics because they he needed something there I think most of it is nonsensical and I agree um, and if there is a couple songs on here that mean something yeah and if there is a meaning to it it's only it only means something to Cedric and I think fans take everything they just make up their own stories and I feel like that's most of this record so I don't know what anything is really about on this I kind of got the same thing as you I thought it was just about you know drinking partying a lot of drug abuse on tour and just being burnt out, burnt out on touring. That's what I, that's what I thought this song was about, but what do I know? What do I know? What do I know? So what's your, uh, what's your one B? What's your number one banger? Biggest banger on here. So here was, here was the hardest thing for me was going between my one B and my two B and it went back and forth three times, but it wasn't okay. until today when I was, uh, I, I had my little earbuds in that I, my little wireless earbuds that I bought for my MacBook. And it cool wasn't day. until today that I was listening and I kind of threw it in. And then when this song hit, I was like, this has to be the one B. Um, and that's, what do you think it is? I think our, our top two are going to be the same. I think your number one is Enfilade. Okay. And what do you think? What, what do you think my two would be then? Arc Arsenal. Okay. So my one V, my one V, my one your B. One it's invalid letter department. No way. Yeah, that is my one B. Holy shit, that's my eleven my number, B. My number two is Infilade. That's your eleven wow. B. That's my eleven B. Yeah. That's your least favorite song on the album. Well, I mean, the, we're 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 also adding in the two bonus tracks. So oh, I didn't I didn't I, didn't, I don't rank bonus tracks as B. Oh, you didn't rank them? them? Uh, no. Oh my god, so these are bonus tracks. Out. Well, I didn't realize there were bonus tracks until after I finalized my <laughs> notes. <laughs> I just I never knew they were. 
Dude, Extra Credit is so fucking good, man. That, oh, oh, it my is. God, that's such a banger of a song. But yeah, Invalid Letter Department is my 1B. It was it was Infilade like all week until today, um, but it was like super close. But today, it, it, it beat it out. I'll tell you why. Okay, tell, you why. tell me Ready? why. Tell me why, yeah. This is the only song on the album that makes me feel a different way. Everything on this album makes me feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. Right, either like hyped, or aggressive, fucking angry, uh, boisterous, energetic. Invalid Letter Department is the only one that just makes me feel kind of like shit, and I I like that. I like that this is the only. It's not the only ballad on the album. There's like there's another ballad over here, but Invalid mm-hmm. Invalid Letter Department is the only one that makes me feel kind of like shit. Like I should I should look into what he's talking about, and I think yeah, the soundscapes it- match this better than any song on the album it's a very somber very very somber song Dude, it's somber it's melancholy these these soundscapes yeah. build this world the tone is so fucking good everything about the music is just so deliberate it's like i said it creates this world and it's 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 a unique song in that there's so many different things going on at the same time because you have three different vocal stylings from Cedric on the on this song. So you even though it's a slower song and kind of the ballad, you have the spoken word parts during the verses. You have oh. kind of the craziness of the chorus. It's not crazy in the context of the record, but if you were to take this song out, it's the crazy part of the song. It's the most at the driving part of the song. Yeah. And then you have the melodic pretty part of dancing on the corpse's ashes. So you have three very different things thrown into this one four and a half minute song. And it's um it really it, it is really effective it really works and it it really you need a song like this to be placed at this part of the record because it's just fucking chaos this record is chaos so this, you need these 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 songs in here like invalid litter department to break up that so you're not just inundated with with just madness yeah <laughs> seriously and i i really do like invalid litter department but honestly at the drive and just do the the crazier songs way better so that's why it's as low as it is it's an absolute fucking banger, but you it's just unfair to compare it to the other songs. This song just hit stuff. man, this song just hits fucking hard. And I I just it hits hard in a way that, that like Infilad hits a certain way. Arc Arsenal hits the same exact way as Infilade. Pattern, Sleepwalk Capsules, One Arm Scissors, all these fucking songs hit the same way. They're all bangers, but yeah. they hit the same way. I understand what I'm getting myself into. Invalid Letter Department hits in a way that it's like, oh wow, this is different. This is this is bizarre. It's like eating pizza every day for the, for your entire life, and the, and like, when do you have a hot dog? It's still good. <laughs> like you still love pizza, but damn, it's fucking different. <laughs> that's that's quite the quite the comparison. I love dude, <laughs> this song. This song fucking honestly, this song blows me away. This song blows me away. What I re- also really like is the in the verses that interplay between the bass and the guitars. It's um it's just perfect. It's it sounds like it's one instrument, but when you really when you really focus on it, Paul is doing something pretty simple, but the way Omar and and Jim are playing off of that one bass line is is fucking killer, man. It's it's so I don't want to say complicated because it's not complicated, it's just it's a perfectly written part. Those verses and the music are it's just it's just it's perfect songwriting. Perfect This songwriting. is where this is where I think Omar is is coming into his own because the noodling in the verses 
is mm-hmm. is seemingly kind of like oh that's that's okay that's just like metronome arthritis like dumb noodling but he's adding there's a lot of slides there's a couple like hammer-ons that he does there's a yeah. lot of things that he's doing in there where he's becoming a better guitarist he's becoming more comfortable in like perfecting his unique sound that he wants to do and this song like jim is essentially almost non-existent because it's just omar and then cedric during those verses and i think those ver- those verse parts are are chaotic in their own way because they bring it together during like the dancing on the corpse's ashes thing yeah like that's the only part that you kind of like oh yeah i forgot we're this is fucking sad as fuck and so like that's that's <laughs> i like all of that i like all of that yeah i do too Dude, this um, this song i'm just like thinking about it right now makes this song even like a beyond b for the album for me it's a great fucking song, man. It's a great one. Oh, so I love, dude, I love the piano. I love the fucking verb out guitar. I, I could I do without the piano, though. Oh, my God. I could really do without the love piano. Love it. There's a bunch of piano on this fucking album. I know, I know. But piano, I think, ugh, I just don't really care for that instrument. Omar hated all this. Omar hated a lot of this fucking album. Oh, well, yeah. he Yeah, that's true. Which we'll, we, we'll get into soon. Don't worry. This is being a whiner, but. They're always all they do is whine. That's all they do. They still whine. All they do is that's why all they thing. do is fucking whine. Yeah. No, all so they good. do is bitch about their music. They're they're almost as bad as AFI when they're talking when they're <laughs> talking about their say own music. AFI. Yeah, they hate their own music. Ugh, it's so it's so obnoxious, man. It's so <laughs> it obnoxious. obnoxious. All right, here's here's a little bit of invalid litter department, and then we'll touch upon the lyrics and then uh, move on. So here it is from the at the drive-ins. At the drive-in, I almost said Mark Damn, Wolfe. son. Are you kidding? 11B? Are you kidding? It's my 11B, yeah. I, but I told you oh why. Oh, my God. I told you why. Like, Dude, the, the, the noodling, crazy there's, stuff. Like, there's, there's no fucking decay on the notes that he's hitting during that noodling part. So every note is just, it's 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 in the front at that moment. And then it's yeah. gone. I get it. I get it, oh man. Oh, my God. It's so good. I do. I do really love this song. But I, I want the craziness when I hear At The Drive-In. I don't want slower stuff. I want crazy. But you, you ranked a bunch of other bullshit high be- and there was no craziness in those. But that, that doesn't, no, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. That, that's different. That's completely different. Those are standalone think, records. We're talking about maybe, relationship of command. I We're not talking maybe about. You have not listened to this uh, to this to this song. Oh my god! I, I think maybe you skipped the song. Oh but it was probably the podcast or the pod, the iPod era, the podcast pod, iPod. There we go. Transition. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Oh, for two. Uh, it was probably the pod iPod era, and you skipped over the song too often. And I think you should no, listen to it no, again. No, 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 no. I mean, I have skipped this every once in a while, but. It's still a fucking great song. I really do love it. Anyway, let's uh, let's get into the lyrics real quick. So this, I think the lyrics match, at least what people say the song is about. The lyrics match the um, the music well. Would you agree? Yeah. Okay. So uh, supposedly the, the, this this song is about a lot of the murders that were happening uh, on the bo- in the border cities, more specifically in in Juarez in uh in mexico um just a lot of the the fucked up shit going on uh with the cartels and all that and i feel like a lot of the the imagery that cedric was throwing out lyrically were were like nazi concentration camps like dancing on the corpse's ashes it made me think of you know you know the the gas chamber not the gas chambers but like 
you know, you know what I mean. Just it reminded yeah. me of that very much, and just very, very dark. Yeah, extremely dark, and it just painted that kind of picture. And uh, God, dude, it's it's such a it's a depressing song. It really, dude. Is. There's, there's there's two lines just in the first verse that I just absolutely fucking love, and they hit me hard this week. One, the way he says them is kind of goofy, but he says, "As their shoes grip the dirt floor," and then he says, "In the silhouette of dying." It's like, dude, that's so dumb. That's so childish. Like you can't think of anything else. But God, fuck me in the butt if that doesn't work. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And the whole, the, the other one's like a rehired scab at a bare-handed plant. I like that line a lot too. <laughs> it's Man, he so uses, fucking good. He uses so many words. Like I think we were talking about it with Skip on the Deloused episode and how it's just, it's just, it's a word salad. I, just a lot of it just doesn't make sense. He just strings all these fancy words together. Fancy words sound stupid, but he just fancy a lot words. of, I don't know. He does. I mean, really, there's a concept that he has. I think there's only a handful of these songs on this album where he has a concept and the, the overall, like the choruses and the verses loosely follow that concept. But um, like picking it apart word for word, line by line, it is just word salad. Yeah. It's cool sounding. It does sound really fucking cool. But this song is definitely, and if you don't, I mean, if you don't know anything about it, but like just the amount of, of women murdered in, in Juarez, which Juarez like borders Texas. It's like the extremely northern part of Mexico going yeah. into America. Just fucking horrible, horrible gang wars. And you can see like the murder rates of Juarez like going into like even 2010. Like yeah, like, no, it's even to this day. I mean, thousands, it's just, thousands. Yeah, does, thousands. does Juarez butt up against El Paso? Is that why they talk about Juarez? Or I'm looking right. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, Juarez yeah. is. Yeah, so they're the borders. They're right the, there. They share the border. Yeah. But yeah, there's dude, a lot of like crazy. cities where there's like you know it's bad and there's like hundreds of murders. Like honestly, Juarez had thousands of murders per yeah. year. On like top of that, thousands. on top of that, even now, I mean, the amount of human trafficking that happens through El Paso is it's astonishing. It really, really is astonishing. Like what, how this stuff even still happens. Like I it's just, it's so fucking sad. It's so it is sad. sad. And, and it's like, I don't, fuck man, it's not a political podcast. Gotta know what the fuck to do, but I know what we're doing <laughs> doesn't work. So yeah. Yeah. I'd like to go to El Paso sometimes though. Sometime though. Just to, uh, okay, I don't just because you know uh, I like I like at the drive in in Mars Volta so much. Why not go to El Paso? I I I I can pretty much almost guarantee that you go there <laughs> and there's like no monument, no memorial, no of course no there's mention. not. Of course there's not. But that that's not what I I want to see. Like what I don't I don't want to say I want to see what they saw, but I just want to kind of. I don't know. I want to. I want dumb town. Just go to Mexico. Like that, uh, Mexico. Just go to parts of you know America. Go to fucking parts of Riverside County, you know? You kind of get the same thing, right? I don't know. Yeah. Never been to El Paso, but anyway, I don't know. Dancing yeah, it's fucked up. It's all fucked up. What that part where like like Cedric is like dancing on the corpses as she's da 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 That's good. That's how he sounds. He's all nasally in that one fucking one part. <laughs> He's trying to be quiet because everyone's sleeping. <laughs> oh, oh, when does that ever stop you? 
No, that's what Cedric sounds like. He sounds oh, like, okay, okay. He sounds like he's trying to be quiet because everybody's sleeping. Like, dancing <laughs> on the compasses, ashes. Then drops in. Oh, it's so good. That ending is is fantastic. Whatever. What's your, what's your one be? Infilade? Arc Arsenal. Come on, man. What an opener. Wow. You can't fuck with that opener. That build-up. That's good. That's your 3B? Okay. That build-up with the, with the shakers and then... Oh god, dude! Fucking the bass comes in a little bit, a little bit uh, turned down in the mix. But then Omar comes in with that that really high guitar part. <laughs> like, what is that? What and are you still, doing? every time I hear this song, I think of the Big Day Out Festival and think of his legs, his noodle legs. Every time, <laughs> the noodle legs. His noodle legs are just—it's permanently imprinted in my mind every How time I hear fall? that intro. How did you never tripped once? I know. It's weird. It's fucking weird. And yeah, I don't know. But anyway, Arc Arsenal. And then you get that one snare hit, the one fucking snare hit from Tony. And then Paul comes in with that fucking thick ass bass and then everything drops in. It's fucking pure chaos. And just, I love the simplicity of Tony's drums too on this. It's, it's such a, it's such a, simple and cool beat at the same time i just i i love i this is my favorite drum performance of his on the record this is by far my favorite i love the simplicity of it and how just heavy it can be and oh my god dude this song is incredible absolutely fucking incredible it's definitely the most like like uh untraditional like like there's nothing about this that's that's rock based that's normal that you can kind of like grab onto if you don't play the drums right you can like air drum a lot of things like this one is is, is the one that you're not you have no fucking idea what's going on <laughs> no that idea ba-da-ba-ba, where he hits the snare and then the the three hits on the on the cymbal and he just does the the snare and the the hi-hat that wow dude it's so fucking good oh i love it oh i love the song right even like the pacing, like like that, even that alone, that's it's just weird. Like six hit, right? Ding, 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 ding. Like that's fucking weird, bizarre. It is. And then the first line, <laughs> must have read a thousand faces. <laughs> I must have robbed you know, them of their cause. The way he, the way he sings those lines, it's just, it, it sounds like he's in a rush. Like like he's he's rushing to get it out. Like he's about to be like killed or something like it's the amount of panic in that first verse is fucking crazy cool and when he screams beware oh dude his scream is so killer he never stops yelling no the entire fucking song just never stops yelling like that's how the song ends with him just yelling it begins and (laughs) ends with him yelling yeah why are you always yelling (laughs) also the lyrics on the bridge have you ever, or the have you ever tasted have skin? Have you ever tasted, tasted skin? skin? Dude, so sick. I love it the scrolly guitar over like everyone else at that part. Yeah. Dude, that part's so good. <laughs> it's fucking good, man. <laughs> oh, God. How can this not be your number one? This is, it's a good this is one song. of the greatest openers of a record of all time. I agree. That build-up, man. It's just, and the buildup isn't too long. It's not too long. It's the perfect amount of time for a buildup. 
I'm telling Ooh. you, it's it's because Invalidated Department made me feel something different than this song did. This the song made me feel exactly what I knew was gonna make me feel. Yeah, yeah. Like I know what I'm getting myself into. And my three B. It's a fucking but banger. It's you not your two B. It's not even your two B. So you actually hate this song. Well, that's what it is. You hate it, right? Yeah. I hate this song more than two other songs. Yes. <laughs> You're annoying. Correct. Anyway, here's a here's a little bit of Arc Arsenal. We'll jump into some more of the music and lyrics. So here it is from At the Drive-In. Man, his God, back to his beware screams. It just it sounds like desperation. Like it's not a normal <laughs> scream. It's just filled with with just anxiety and and desperation. I I just I love it. I love how pure it sounds. Fucking I didn't know he was saying beware until this week either. I just I always thought he was yelling. Just yelling. <laughs> <laughs> also, what's really what's really cool too is going into that second verse after he screams beware. You know, Tony hits hits the the snare and floor tom. Just that one hit, and then Cedric comes in just by himself and says, "I must have read a thousand faces." Oh, and so then everybody good. comes everybody back jumps in. in. Fucking so good, man. So good. Oh man, what a what a what a fucking yeah, incredible what a, song! What a fucking opener, dude! Like you just, <laughs> I know. yeah, the opener of an album is, 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 is dictating what everybody is going to think of your album, and 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 putting it on Spotify now, right? Like your opener better be so captivating that people are willing to spend the next hour, hour and a half listening to the rest of it. Yeah, this is the perfect opener. You're absolutely Maybe like, right. Maybe like one of the most perfecter openers of all time. The most perfecter opener. The most perfecter openers of all time. It really is. It 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 does its fucking job. It does it better than anybody could have possibly anticipated. Yep. And another thing I wanted wanted to get into musically is that it sounds like it sounds like Omar's just playing his own song. Like he's just doing his own thing that seems completely separate from the rest of the band but it still works i, I have no idea what, what he's doing and why he's doing it because it doesn't it just makes no fucking sense at all but that's, i love it that's omar dude that's that's the beauty of it dude well it's true <laughs> it's fucking true man so what do you have lyrically on this one uh i so i read a couple of things online one people thought this was like jeffrey dahmer and his cannibalistic ways um, other people said it was a, a general warning to giving people too much power. I think it is about uh, nothing. I think I think the beware <laughs> thing is just a cool thing to say. Yeah, I read the Jeffrey Dahmer thing too, and kind of about the working, the inner workings of the serial killer's mind. And I, I, could, I guess you can you can interpret it that way, but. I, I I agree with you. I think it's just a lot of nonsense. I think it's just a way to get fucking crazy and get your band and the the audience really really pumped up for us yeah that's what it is i don't think there's much to it god i wish i wish cedric would would come out and say what all these songs are about because that's like Uh, i like i like i like the ambiguity though i would too but i like everybody I like everybody like dissecting these and he's just sitting back and like, yeah, dude, I was fucked up on heroin. I had no idea what the fucking shit was about. <laughs> That's another thing too. Him and Omar were so <laughs> strung out on heroin that, ugh, that's Omar crazy was too. Fucked up. So like, like I didn't, so th- this week I, I didn't know this, but from what I read, Omar was already fucking strung out on drugs 
before he joined at the drive-in. Yeah. Right? He had left El Paso and then came That's back right. and then asked Cedric, essentially kind of for a job. Like, dude, I'm like lost. I sold my guitar. I have no fucking money. I'm addicted to drugs. Like, can we be friends or whatever? And Cedric's like, yeah, he joined my band at the drive-in. I think that's how, that's how it started. That's how it started. Yeah, and he, I mean, prior to the band too, he was he he pretty much hitchhiked all over the U.S. for a while because he just was so lost. He was so lost in life that he abandoned everything, sold <laughs> we're, everything, but and we're then not just talking ended up, about like a thirty-year-old here going we're talking on like, like a an eighteen-year-old kid, <laughs> like an eighteen-year-old yeah. child. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's fucking crazy. Then he joins this band, and then you know. Just look at him now, a fucking rock star. And then, like, also, there's a heavy heroin thing in this band, also, and then a lot of drug use. Yeah, a lot of drug Some use, kind of and you know, it bled into the other bands. You know, deaths, like it, right? People died. Yeah, Mar- the Mars Volta. Jeremy died in the Mars Volta from heroin. Who's uh, Jeremy? Is actually Jim's what, cousin. Cousin. Okay. Yeah, cousin. cousin. Yeah. So, fuck, man, it's it's crazy. They had so many friends die of drugs and suicides and it's it's, it's crazy which, which like makes sense if you were like a motley crew right if you were like yeah. a kiss but because you know like a, a lot of money's rolling in you're partying you're playing these sold out venues that are seating ten thousand people but for this to happen to like a bunch of kids from el paso is just this is heartbreaking whereas like motley crew it's standard what it's it, the big difference is you mentioned because it, with with the hair metal era and Motley Crue and stuff, they they had the money to do it. They just they did yeah. it strictly out of excess. The reason that people were so fucked up in El Paso was because they lived in El Paso, yeah. because it was a shit place to live. It's it's especially Paso, back then. Yeah, it was just a terrible. Exactly, it was a terrible place, and that's what everybody did to escape the reality of. Of of living there, so the the circumstances were entirely different. It's fucked. It is really sad. It is really really sad. Tragic. But, yeah, yeah. But and you know, Omar and Cedric, they got through it. They were strung out for a couple years at the beginning of the Mars Volta, but they overcame it. And um, Cedric joined the Church of Scientology, went a little crazy, but now he's out. And um, <laughs> now we're here. Now we're here. Anyway. Um, Park Arsenal. That old, dude. Like what, mid to late forties? Yeah, oh yeah. Probably. It's not that old. No. no <laughs> I'd have no. gone through as much shit as they've gone through. I know. To be recognized I mean, like Relationship of Command is recognized as one of the greatest albums of all time, not they just were, they were the genre in their early twenties. They were their early twenties. <laughs> fucking when that stupid. Right? It's like fucking Zeppelin hell. coming out with like Zeppelin two or fucking House of the Holy or Four. Van Halen's one. Yeah. All these guys were in their twenties, you know that you just mentioned. Fucking Neil Crazy. Young, look at Neil Young. What did he he, fucking um, after the gold well, rush, he's still he was like coming 20, out perfect. Twenty three, twenty four years old when after the gold rush came out. What Neil what Young's doing? a douchebag. He's just, he's no it, fuck that. It's it's annoying to still <laughs> come out with albums that are like perfect. That's fucking obnoxious. <laughs> like just be done, dude. Go to bed. Oh man, Neil Young. Show off. What a guy. Fucking show. He's a show off. What a guy. Anyway. Fucking show off. Oh, and two. Um are you good with Arc Arsenal? Yeah. Okay. So uh so what so what is your two B? Enfilade. Um is it Enfilade or is it Enfilade? What, what, what I don't even I don't know. know. I don't know, Jerry. 
it's it's based off of like a French word, supposedly, right? That's what the thing yeah. online said. Yeah, it's like a yeah, it's some something to do with. So how would a French person say like oh if you law if you law maybe like if you law if you law if you law if you law that that's hard it's hard to do a French accent seriously yeah because they're stupid everybody's stupid uh-huh. except for American everybody's stupid except for Southern California American accents that's that's it that's that fact. is a great point that is a great point all other accents and, and dialects and languages are stupid <laughs> fact. Snopes it. Enfilade oh, is my, my, my 2B. Enfilade. Enfilade. You just like, okay, so right, right off the bat, that fucking wah, outrageous. Outrageous is the only oh, yeah. word I can even describe it. Outrageous. Like, what are you doing? What it's are you so doing? obnoxious sounding. Why? It's so obnoxious. Like, imagine being in the studio, right? Like, no, turn it up louder. Like, are you, sh- are you sure? Yeah, yeah, louder, louder, louder. Okay, that's good. No, no, no louder, louder. Like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? <laughs> and like, okay, so like this, this made me research whether or not Omar liked the record, but Omar didn't like the final product of the record because it didn't it wasn't as raw as he had hoped it was gonna be. It was very polished, which I get it, like Andy Wallace mixed it. Andy Wallace is good at mixing big production records that make millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So so I, I I get that Omar wasn't happy with the final product, but this has got to be like the perfect example of of the middle ground. Something that is in the middle of being raw and kind of obnoxious to being overproduced, never mind sounding. Like this is the middle ground. This is it. it is. This is perfect. If 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 at the drive in had made another record, I feel like most of the record would sound like this song. Because they were they were dabbling in different percussive instruments. Um, you know, with the melodica that they play, which fucking sounds so good in this song during that bridge. The electronic drums, everything about this song is everything that they had never done before. So it was the perfect transition into what could have been the next at the drive-in, but then obviously, you know, you know, de facto and then Mars Volta happened. But goddamn, dude, this song is so unique. It's so different. And I just I and it's so simple. It's not even a complicated song. It's it's perfect in its simplicity. And I yeah. love it so much for that. Also Iggy Pop was on the song, was featured on the song. He did the the intro, the Hello, Mother Leopard. You know, it's just—it's kind of—it's kind of stupid. But you know every fucking I word. I know every word shit. to it. <laughs> but and it's you so, love saying colon nuts, right? Yeah, you colon love nuts. saying colon nuts. What the nuts. fuck That's is a colon nut? What is a colon nut with a K? A cola with a K. Colon nuts. McQueen's a colon. Ten thousand colon nuts, wrapped in brown paper. Wait, behind the box. Midnight. Wait, behind midnight the behind the box. You'll see. I'll be the hyena. You'll see. You'll see. And then just that that wah comes Whoa. in, the, dr- the drum. God, that electronic then, drum beat. And then this song drops into like one of the hardest and best grooves they have <laughs> ever done is at the drive-in. Oh my God, dude. Oh God. It, what it, are you it's, doing? It's, and, then every, and then the guitars drop in and, and then it drops back into that verse where it goes back to just pretty much the electronic beat, the bass playing, the bass line. And then Cedric singing through that filter, and then it and then it drops into that into that pre-chorus, that instrumental pre-chorus, where it's just the percussive <laughs> instrument, the melodica, the melodica. <laughs> don't forget the melodica. And everyone's just like, "What is that? That, yeah. that has to be Omar at that point, <laughs> it just has, being as obnoxious as fucking possible." Yes, yes. Oh my god, and that chorus <laughs> is so catchy. My God, it's well, so much fun! Dude, to you sing. put claps in any chorus; it's going to be great. Out there. Yeah, whatever. The hand claps. That's what I love. They the hand claps are really the cherry on top 
in that chorus for sure. God, it's it's like I said, it's so perfect in its simplicity. Um, I I, I love the song. I love the song so much. I like the drum beat too. The drum beat, right? Like like having that single snare hit, then the double that ding, that it's one, and then did it after that one. Oh yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, it makes it kind of like this broken beat. And gives like this feeling of uneasiness, which matches the tone of the song overall, like the whole kidnapping thing and everything. Which mm-hmm. I think this song is probably the most, besides Inval Letter Department, is the most like a uh, uh, forward thinking song. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You can follow the story to it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's about it's about a kidnapping victim. I it's about human trafficking. Really, that's what this is. Yeah, it's about human trafficking. And a ransom, you know, it just, it tells that story and it's, uh, it's fucked up. God damn, dude. When you really kind of look up how bad human trafficking is still, it's, it's so scary and it's so fucking sad. Well, it's, that, that's the key word is still like, it's yeah, still it's happening still. today. And, and Phoenix, Phoenix is like a major hub of like these fucking coyotes bringing people over and yeah. then like pimping and whoring them out. I don't know what pimp or the horror aspect would be but like selling them out to uh to other people and uh it's it's it's, yeah, it's gross it's it's so disgusting yeah. and nobody talks about it nobody fucking nobody talks about it. that that's the craziest thing how quiet the media and government and how little people know about what's actually happening that's that's the part that's very unnerving i remember like I remember because I like talking about like the cartel shit because I because like every so often I'll I'll go into this like cartel tailspin mm-hmm. and I'll think like like damn man that 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 cartel has so much more power than than even the cartel knows like if the car if all the cartels just wanted to they could take over the fucking world they really could and I remember reading this this story and it wasn't even like small news it was like big news but somewhere on the east coast I want to see North Carolina but probably not North Carolina. This these these like group of vigilante guys followed these drug dealers who had ties to the cartel into a house, and they knew they were like dealing drugs or whatever, and they tried to stop it, and like a gunfight ensued, and like everybody fucking died, and this is in America, and the cartel because there's a major hub in like the East Coast, and I think it's North Carolina. There's a major like like a cocaine hub or something in that area that distributes all up and down the East Coast. And I remember mm-hmm. it was a big thing because the cartel had like declared war on like the East Coast oh, shit. and like residents of the East Coast. And uh, I don't know, I man, that's that shit's fucking like to think we live in a country where like, oh, the police will protect us and like, oh, our justice system is fair. And like, oh, come on, bro. I know. Right. Like we're over here fucking nickel and diving people to death on taxes, whereas there are people like literally getting whored out for their entire lifespan. Yep. Until the until they get a little too old and then they're thrown into the streets or killed or whatever. Well, you know? it's they're until all... they, they're purposely like a purposely addicted to drugs yeah. and thrown out into the streets and then their life is over. And yeah. uh, there's another song on this album too that talks about kind of like what they saw. The quarantine is the other one. Is is, mm-hmm. is that what they saw living so close to the border, seeing people, mostly women, come over. And become like maids or housekeepers, and the song "Quarantine" itself, like the name, is they are they are trapped, they're stuck here, they're treated like shit, they're paid like shit. You're paid just enough to like live, but not enough to save money, mm-hmm. to where you can go out on your own. Yeah, 
And this so, is it's so fucked. This is this is not a foreign concept. This is not something from like the seventies where our our fathers talked about. This is this is happening like now today. Yeah. I, I you know it's weird because like I bringing it back to TikTok because whatever. So a thing popped up, a video popped up on on my feed, and it was talking about the border, um, the the Texas Mexico border, and they were talking about the some sheriff. They're driving down the road on where the where the the border is, the wall or whatever, the existing wall prior to Trump. There was there was a wall there prior, um, and they're driving down along the the wall, and they're like, "Oh, there's people in the distance." There's like a group of like ten people, and they pull up to them, and they're like these people from India, like the middle of fucking nowhere in Texas, Texas Mexico, and they're like, "What what what are you doing here?" And they said, "Oh, we we just got dropped off." Um, and the sheriff said, well, he said to the cameras, like, if you walk anywhere in any direction, it's about two to four days walk from here to any sort of civilization. So if you don't have enough food or water, you're going to die. Like, there's just no way you're going to. And they do. They do. Yeah. And he said, that's the most devastating part is because people don't, these people that are coming over don't know that everything is so far away and how big everything is. And he said, what the cartels do in this instance, what they, what they do is they, get a group of people they they essentially abandon them like that like those people and then they use them as a distraction to actually run things over the border because what they have these people do they have them call 911 over and over and over again until a bunch of people like border patrol um comes to that one location to 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 rescue these this small group of people and while all the resources are being taken away to to help these people not a lot of people are covering the border. So then the, at that point, the cartels can move over contraband humans, move, just, you know, smuggle things over in mass in much, much larger quantities because the resources, the American resources are being held or, you know, being distracted elsewhere. And I mean, it's something yeah. as simple as that is still so effective. It, it's, it's remarkable. It's, it's fucking embarrassing to be it honest. It's, it really is. It's fucking embarrassing. And, and there's so much, well, here we go, dude. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much money like in politics and, and the fact that so many politicians are just, they're so fucking wealthy beyond any kind of reasonable doubt and, and how much money these, these old school money families have like the Rockefellers, right? Like how much fucking money is involved in these, these families, Yet, yeah. like people are literally, literally, literally dying, walking to what they think is a better life. Whether or yeah. not it may or may not be true, I don't know. But they're they're honestly willing to die because of something they believe is going to be a better life. Well, a lot of them are tricked too. I mean, we see it a lot too with with the legalization of of marijuana here in in California. I mean, I'm all for legalization of it, but since it's become legal here what's happened is a lot of the cartels have come up to central California where a lot of weed has grown and they're essentially not even buying the land. They're just finding rural, like out of the, you know, in the middle of nowhere areas to grow all this, this weed. And they have armed guards everywhere. These cartels do. And what they're doing is that they're, they're, they're picking up people from central America, Mexico, wherever, and saying, you know, work for us, essentially slave labor for a year and then we'll let you go. So they're smuggling these people up to to work, work the um, the fields, and then after you know the year or whatever is up, they still keep them because it's like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to go, you know, 
try to start a life somewhere else with no family, no connections, or are you just going to stay here with us? So it's like this never ending shit cycle. It, it's so fucked up. Yeah. It's well, so you're praying on the week. You're, you're praying yeah. on the week. And that's, that's, that's the name of the game. That's what our fucking government does constantly. And it's no surprise that our government has funded cartels in the past or they are the CIA gave cartels fucking weapons oh, yeah. in hopes they could track them. But that went to shit, and now they can't track the, any of them. And now the they fast give and the, the cartel billion dollars, billions of dollars in weapons for free because we made a fucking massive mistake. But yeah, it, it, it's 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 silly boy talk. It's silly boy talk. It's it's classic divide and conquer. Where here we are fighting over fucking Trump or Biden, whereas like the real enemies are are making money. Yeah, there's so many other things that are way more important than what dumbass is in office. <laughs> God, it's 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 fucking crazy. And I do think this kind of like coincides with what like Cedric was so upset about during Big Day Out because I watched an interview that he did in 2000, 2017 yeah. with Rolling Stone and he was kind of talking about like his frustrations. He, he he said it wasn't it wasn't specific to to Big Day Out. It was just like a culmination of a lot of things. And a lot of like the bro culture. And yeah, the bro culture during the new metal era of like the late nineties, early two thousands was bad. Like that was just a shit time, um, but like Cedric was young and he acknowledged that yeah I was young naive I thought I could control a crowd that was too big, Mudvayne mm-hmm. I just I just performed I guess on a side stage Limp Biscuit that was the same day the same concert that the fucking girl died yeah that that right? night that night was when Limp Biscuit played and yeah the girl got crushed that sixteen year old girl got crushed so that's just I mean like dude nobody should be fucking dying at a concert that's just silly boy talk come on like yeah. It's hundreds so, and hundreds so of people didn't do their jobs for someone to die. Like nobody should die unless it's an OD. Because you know what you can do. But like nobody should be crushed to death at a fucking rock concert. That's silly boy talk. And silly boy I, talk. I saw I saw another interview that was related to that to that incident, and it was Cedric and Tony were talking about it. It was like 2016, 2017 when they did this interview. It might have been the same one. I don't know. But Tony was talking about how you know the thing happened with Lip Biscuit, and they're like, you know, we weren't fans of the band we aren't fans of the band but we just felt for them because they had no idea they had no control of what was happening in the crowd and just like it was just devastating for everybody and he said that he has so much respect for that band after that incident because at that point uh fred and the band they decided that they would never play another festival unless the crowd was separated Separated. was separated down the middle which at the time japan was at, at summer sonic was the only festival that was doing that but at that point, Limp Bizkit and the guy said, no more. We'll never play another festival without that. You have to. Yeah. You have just to. Irresponsible. It's just irresponsible yeah. not to. Damn. Like, we, like even like the, like, like the Travis Scott fucking thing that just happened yeah. fairly recently, the year ago. Like that's just another, like, dude, nobody should be dying going, like, that's. I agree. Come on, dude. Like, really? That was a crazy thing that happened at the Travis Scott thing. Like, two people, I think, like, two people died at Woodstock. Maybe Mm -hmm. three. And that was, like, over half. There was was almost a million people there. There was, like, 600,000 people there. Yeah. Wait, which Woodstock? The 69 or the 99? First one. Okay. I don't, I didn't, I didn't know anybody died in that one. I think, like, I think one person died because they OD'd, and, like, one person died from dehydration. Like, nothing, nobody died because... Of something the crowd did, yeah, um, yeah. I know there's a lot of reports of like all these other things, but 
everything that I've read on about the first Woodstock was it really was just kind of like this. I don't know. I don't want to say utopia because that's unattainable, but the closest you could get to it being a festival of that size. Man, we we definitely went down uh, went down a road there. So, it's anyway, so fucking frustrating. It's so frustrating. It is. It really is. It's so frustrating. Bring so politics it, into it. You know, just the last last thing. Well, hold on there, dude. Well, I don't know about that, the dude. last thing is it's so fucking frustrating. People complain so much about whatever the fuck is they're complaining about, but take no initiative or drive to try and change it, even in the smallest capacity, like voting. Regardless if you think voting means anything or not, just mm-hmm. even taking that step to do it is is something more than just doing nothing, or even just going to a city council meeting. Like I bet you most people don't even know the fuck their city council chambers are in the city we live in. Yeah, no, you're probably right. Instead, they would rather talk about Bitch it online. on the neighborhood app, on the fucking Ring app. Or on uh, Instagram or These fucking or kids wherever. are fucking ding-dong ditching me again. Like, bitch, shut the fuck up. <laughs> God. Oh, man. That's great. It's great. Yeah. Anyway, 0-2. Let's play a little pit. A little pit. A little bit. Of Enfilade. From we'll go to the bathroom while you do this, so All right, it. let's do this. At the drive-in, Enfilade. Certified banger by Asinine Radio. Certified fucking banger. My God, it's an, it's, it's an incredible song. Love it. This so is much. like, right, this is the first time we've heard At the Drive-In be like overly aggressive in adding like Latin flair to their music. I would I would agree with you on that. Yeah. Right? And then like this is something that we'll obviously see them delve more into in Mars Volta oh, but yeah totally this is uh this is like the first I think this is maybe the only time they, they've they've really this, done that sound. this and Arc Arsenal I think are the only the only songs on this record but prior to this yeah I agree I maybe is there anything on Via though I feel like there is something on Via so. yeah maybe not maybe not even the dub stuff too I mean they didn't touch upon any sort of dub dub inklings until this song with the melodica which I yeah. love that instrument, that stupid basic instrument. I love it though. It sounds I'm gonna so. Buy cool. one. I'm gonna buy one tonight. <laughs> Just you can get it for like twenty bucks on Amazon. They're so cheap. So <laughs> sick though. So stupid. I want to buy a melodica and a juice harp. <laughs> Forgot about because juice harp you can put in your pocket and bow 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 bow. Stick that shit in your mouth. Bow 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 bow. It's so dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> All right, so this is your number two, right? Yeah, that's my two B. <laughs> right. And my, my three two B, that's good. <laughs> my uh my three B was was one arm scissor. So Okay. Your three was Arc Arsenal. I do have one more thing about Infalad though. Okay, yeah, what do you got? The picture of Iggy Pop in the studio with the guy from At the Drive In. Did you see that picture? <laughs> well it's it's only it's only Omar and Cedric and then there's like a I don't know who that other guy is. I think he's an engineer and then it's Ross, right? Yeah. Because Ross is like kneeling down. I'm trying to remember the picture in my mind. Thank you. That's a great place to remember. That's a great place to remember and think. Yeah, yeah. A good place to think. I don't even. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, I, but yeah, continue. But uh, it, dude, they look so weird. Like compared to like Iggy Pop or Iggy Pop. I mean, it's, I, I'm not like a big Iggy Pop fan. Don't really know a lot of his music. Um, but like it's Iggy Pop. Like you know who the fuck he is. He's an icon. Compare. And, and next to, to Omar and, and, and Cedric, it was just kind of funny to see how awkward they looked next to him. 
I mean, mind you, Omar is extremely awkward. And when you and I, you and you and I, when you, you and I met him like twelve years ago, whenever that or whenever that was, he was extremely. Uh, yeah, dude, I don't know what happened to that picture. And I'm that so should be your most cherished possession of all I time. Know. I don't know what. I have scoured. You lost it. I have scoured every hard drive, every USB stick I have, and I and it cannot makes no find sense. that. You, I don't know. You have pictures from before you were born. I. That's <laughs> true. I do. You save everything. I. I picture wise, I do, and I think the only time I ever posted it was on MySpace. That shows you how long ago it was, and MySpace is such a, a trash fire that it they lost everything. MySpace. Their server completely took a shit, and they every every almost every user's data was erased. And yeah. I think that might have been the only place that I, that I had uploaded it was MySpace. So Damn. that sucks. But we have the memory of uh, true. of him being very very awkward and very uncomfortable. Yes, and I will cherish that moment. And that was the first time I realized that he is a lot smaller than I thought he was <laughs> on video. Yeah, I mean, you and I are six foot, six one, and uh, you're six. You're six foot, right? I'm like five eleven, bro. Okay. okay, I appreciate it, but but regardless, he's like five four, and we were like giants standing over him, and he's like so skinny. Like we've always yeah. been fairly thin, especially back even, then. We were very very thin. Yeah, and he was even like, God damn, you're small, bro. Mm-hmm. Like how's all how how is all this aggression and all this like like. <laughs> stuff coming out of you what? I know right like the small things come in big no wait big, big things, things come, come in small, small packages, packages. <laughs> there you go there you go we oh, almost had oh, a there, dude. Oh, well, that. <laughs> anyway yeah one two oh, three two. B for me okay um all right let's uh so actually let, let's talk about Ross Robinson the recording where it was recorded it's all to me it's it's iconic and it's honestly the reason why we're doing this album this week because we just ended new new metal season and ross robinson was a big reason why new metal was was as, as enormous as it was because he did corn limp biscuit fucking slipknot you know the, the heavy hitters of the genre and, and so many people and at this point in in his career he hated the new genre the new metal thing because he was like he was the new metal poster child. He didn't want to do that. He wanted to get away from it. So he he heard at the drive-in. He loved it so much. He was impressed that he actually reached out to the band and said, I would love to do your record. They declined and said, no, you, we don't really like what you did in, in the new metal scene. He begged them. He said, I will, I will do one of your songs for free just to show you that what I, what I can do for you. And he ended up producing. It never says what song he ended up recording with them, um, but he recorded it. They loved it, and they ended up working with him, obviously, for this record. They recorded at the iconic uh, Indigo Ranch in Malibu, Indigo California, Ranch. and which is now burned down. Unfortunately, it burned down. I think in 2010 or 2011, there were massive wildfires at the time, and uh, the whole studio, the whole building, just is burned to the ground, and it was never rebuilt. Um, but you know, so many iconic records were were rec- written and recorded there. It's in the middle of nowhere, Malibu. It's up in the up in like the cliffs, like the mountainous part of Malibu, um, and it's really treacherous to get up there. It's like a one lane road to get up there, and um, essentially, when you record there, you live there. 
there's right. there's like rooms and like there's a separate guest house that you live in while you record while you write and record music up there and and Ro- that's that was Ross's thing that's where he he did all of his work but um, like if, yeah, you've, if you've somewhere. ever been to Malibu it's Malibu looks what it sounds like yeah it's beautiful it is really beautiful <laughs> and it's pretty it's much just PCH perfect. it's pretty much just PCH. Yeah, like, but it like hangs over that. There's like a little lip in California, that little Southern California part where it goes up. Like a, I don't, I don't know what the geographical term for it, but like California goes up and then it shoots out to the left a little bit and then goes up again. And Malibu is that part that faces like southward yeah. on that Southern California lip. So it is just fucking. Beautiful. It is really beautiful. Yeah, and if you if people, I mean, people listening who don't know the geographic area or they don't know what Southern California looks like. PCH is Pacific Coast Highway, which is essentially of technically it's a freeway, but it's really just like a couple lanes that starts from Mexico and goes all the way up to um, Washington, to the border of Canada. And it yeah. literally just hugs the coast, the coast all the way up, all the way fucking up. You could even take PCH. No, actually, you can't take PCH. You could take the five, five freeway all the way up through Canada into Alaska. But PCH goes from San Diego, from the border of Mexico all the way up to Washington, up to the border of Canada, which is fucking crazy. I've always wanted to to make that drive. I heard it's fucking insane and it takes forever. Yeah, it takes fucking forever. But damn, dude, it'd be so cool to take PCH from San Diego all the way up to Washington. That'd be fucking sick. But Malibu, Malibu, yeah, it's 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 a very very small town, very exclusive, but it is fucking beautiful. It really really is beautiful. Yeah, it's perfect fucking living. Yeah. And it's uh, very, very expensive. But yeah, Ross Robinson did this album, and then uh, several years later, he did Iowa. So he complained no, he about... Did, uh, he did Iowa a year before this. Oh, no, no, no. You're, no, I'm sorry. He did yeah, Iowa was, the year after this, in 2001. Yeah, so he complained about the new metal scene and then did uh, one of the best of all time. <laughs> so, well, that's fine. He, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. And then he did it's one of one of the best. Don't get crazy with me, okay? And then he did Glass Job, Blood Brothers. Then he did that that crazy Cure record. Yeah, but nobody gets a fuck. I I love Blood Brothers. Burn Piano Island. Ooh, that's so what good. he did. That's what he did. So good. And I I I actually went back not a couple of years ago. I listened to that Cure record he did from two thousand four. It's a pretty cool record. I was I was really really surprised by it. But he kind of regrets making that record too. Ross has like things to say about it that he wish he hadn't done, but whatever. Made for a good good album, and the way Ross we've talked about Ross a lot on this podcast, but he's such an unconventional you know producer. He really fucks with people in the studio, especially in the '90s and early 2000s. He would go out of his way to fuck with you to get you to piss you off, just to straight up piss you off to get a better performance out of you. Um, I've heard I've heard a story where like. Omar and Cedric were so timid and so scared. Well, not scared, but they were just like, they didn't know what to expect. So they were at, they, they, Ross had invited him over to his house and they were just like uncomfortable. And he's like, you know what? Just spit on the wall. Like, fuck it. I don't care. Like he wanted them to like open up and just feel like, you know, I'm not like some big rich, well, he was rich, but I'm not like some, some, you know, big wig executive or whatever. It's like, if you want to fuck something up, fuck something up. So he told him to like, kind of fuck up his house a little bit and then I don't know there's so many crazy Ross Robinson stories and I fucking love the guy the guy is the greatest producer of all time I don't care I stand I think by. it was I, th- I think it was like the corn thing that we or maybe something else but like like he 
put somebody in his car and drove like way too fast through the hills of Malibu. It was Paul. Like, for for this record, it was for at the drive-in. Yeah, he wanted he because I don't know for whatever reason, but yeah, he took Paul out on the uh, out driving through the Malibu for the through the mountainous area just to like get him going to get him like freaked out and get his adrenaline going and then they he brought which, him back to the yeah. studio which really play. you can only drive about 40 tops in those like mountainous ranges so if you're oh, going yeah. like 60 it looks like you're flying off the fucking edge so yeah. i can only imagine like this guy is just is just driving as fast as possible scaring the shit out of this kid because <laughs> they're still kids at this point yeah and what's cool, like when when Ross would record with bands, because he would live with the bands too. Like it wasn't just he would go home every day. He would live on, essentially on the compound as well. And for a lot of these bands, he would ha- he would make them wake up at like six or seven in the morning and go like on a five mile hike. Because it's like because where Indigo Ranch was, it was in this giant canyon, and they would they would hike down into the canyon and then hike back up, and then they would get their day started. Because he's like a very like fitness nutrition kind of guy so he he never got into the drugs and alcohol but he he kind of allowed it to happen with the bands that came in but he allowed the partying but he never but he always like pushed people like you gotta you gotta be healthy you gotta get out here with me you gotta do this you gotta do that like i love just how how much he was involved with these bands in the recording like he never gotten he never told them what to write but he knew how to get the best performances out of these bands in the '90s and early 2000s. He's right. just—he's absolutely fucking incredible. There's yeah. nobody like Ross Robinson at all. It's unreal. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's great, man. It's great. And and what's cool too is nobody has anything bad to say about him. They always say he's extremely intense, but they love him. They they people always say that I will never work with Ross again, but I have no regrets working with him. <laughs> and I love that. I just fucking love that they appreciate what he did for them. But then they're they're they'll easily say they will never work with him again. It's it's crazy. It's cool. It's it's, it's too much uh, an emotional drain. Yeah, an emotional drain. <clears throat> Absolutely. And, you, and have you ever have you ever heard him talk before, Ross Robinson? He looks. I no, I've never. I just like the way he looks. He just looks very. Uh, I don't know, he he looks like he would have been like the the backup guitarist in Fugazi. Like he looks very generic. <laughs> he does. He has you know like, what I mean? like when you hear him talk, he has like kind of a high voice, and he sound he's very quiet. He's very kind of he never gets loud. He's very calm. It, it's weird. You would never expect a guy with this kind of reputation to sound like him. And on top of that, like you you hear about what he does outside of music. And he's a hardcore like motocross rider. Like that's his besides music, all he does is so ride motocross. Weird. And like his one of his best friends is Vanilla Ice, and they bonded over motocross because that's what they both do. That's like their passion outside of music. So he's like best friends with Vanilla Ice, and he's broken like almost every bone in his body. He broke his back. He actually broke his back, and during the I believe the Iowa sessions with Slipknot, his back was broken. And he still was showing up to the studio and still fucking with all the guys. And he's like, you have no fucking, ex- you have no excuse to not work hard. I came in here with a broken back. Like he was like fucking with God. the members of the band, even with a broken back. He's like, you have no excuse. And I just like, dude, that is insane. What are you like, doing? Like, oh my God. Even like the Slipknot thing, dude. There's so many fucking people in that goddamn band. Like to even be able to like corral 
like like schedules, right? Scheduling alone. Yeah. Like to have everybody there at the same time, if they were there at the same time, if not, or to even like just pace everything around schedules. To have nine people, it's nine, right? Yeah, there's nine of them. Nine nine of them, like their schedules, and then you're only one guy, but you have to kind of work with everybody at some point. And so the amount of work he put in is probably more than they did, to be honest. Yeah. Seriously. (laughs) It's a lot. Seriously, man. God, he's so cool. He is so cool. And he would literally be like, if if you if you look at the sessions he did with Corn, on really all three of the records he did for them, he was all with when Jonathan was in the vocal booth singing, Ross was always in there, literally sitting right next to Jonathan, like just like staring at him, like just to make him uncomfortable, and like kind of guiding him through, like say like I, how does this one just word goading, make you feel? Goading, how does this goading. one line make you feel? And then he would just—you could just see in the videos—he's just like fucking staring Jonathan down, like just, dude, he's so fucking intense. I would, I would love, love, love to meet Ross Robinson at some point. God, God, he's so cool. He's so goddamn cool. It anyway. sounds intense. It sounds exhausting. Yeah, exactly. That's why most bands never work with him more than once. <laughs> like, it sounds I, like. It sounds yeah. like when I went to fucking like Times Square on New Year's Eve, like it was the coolest thing I've ever experienced. But fuck, never again. Exhausting. I really, I think the only bands who have ever worked with him more than once are Corn and Slipknot. I think that's it. Every other band has only done like one record with him because it's too much. That's cool though. <laughs> it's fucking cool. That is cool. Anyway, Owen two. Owen two. Let's uh, let's get into. Fuck, let's get into another song. We talked about Indigo Ranch and Ross because I've got Ross. my yeah, I got my my I guess my one, <coughs> two. I got my four well my three B's plus one arm scissors, which is my seven B. Okay, so what's your four then? What do you got for that? Uh pattern. Pattern nuggets user boom, dilated. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> that's my, I, that's I my love six how it B. starts. I love how it ends. <laughs> it's fucking what is this for you? Dude. What B is this? It's my six. Yeah. My six B. Do, 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 do. Hey. <laughs> Starts Love and ends the same a. way, comes and goes. Yeah, the bass is so cool low song. in this one too. And I, I, I God, it's just a, it's a fucking catchy, catchy song. I think it's just as catchy as One Arm Scissors. Um, a little bit more pop focused than One Arm Scissors is. A little mm-hmm. more straightforward, but it's good. It is. Oh, the way he sings, wormed our way through distant earth. <laughs> oh, dude, it's so good. I always thought he said wound our way through distant earth. I, I didn't realize until this week this week that he said wormed. I like wound better. I think it sounds better. It flows better, but okay, whatever. Okay. But, um, but damn, dude, Paul's bass. I feel like it, there are some parts in the song where it really cuts through real nice. It really, really does. And Omar and Jim are noodling it up. Um, that, that also kind of, I think it's ascending, that, that, that chord progression during the chorus is, is fucking so cool. I fucking love it. I, I th- there's a lot of parts of the song that I think are just very different than each other. Like I think the bridge is very different than the rest of the song. Like the bridge is very, it's very lighthearted. It's kind of way more pop than the rest of the the the, the song is. Mm-hmm. Right, the way he sings in the clock keeps ticking away when this time begins at ten and like it's <laughs> a little goofy. Yeah, but I like it. I like it. I do too. One one thing I also love is in the first verse. It's one of my favorite things Cedric has ever done. The second line where he says, hypodermic people poking fun oh, at dude, the living. I love that so much. I think that's one of the coolest things he's ever saying. 
the way he the way he says it and just the lyrics i just love the i love the lyrics in that one single line it's perfect absolutely that's that that's in my notes too that's one of my favorite lines on the album as well because it's a cool way to like personify the addiction and the device right like like hypodermic hypodermic people poking fun of the living like when you personify something you're giving human attributes to a non-human thing Mm -hmm. and i think that's that's cool that that's just good fucking songwriting that's uh that shit bob dylan did all the time that's fine well bob dylan is well you can't cool. compare the two. You're right. There's no comparison. Yeah, I mean, At the Drive is so much one. fucking better. It's <laughs> crazy better than Bob Dylan. Bob, Bob Dole. God, we, I hate that we both said it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> also, I mean, I already, I already sang it, but, you know, Pat Nuggets user, dilated, bastard waiting for nothing. Oh, I love it. I, and then just the background vocals, the following... Uh, it's, it's great, man. Johnny, Johnny, the back and forth. I know what the fuck he says half the time. But I, I don't just, either. I like to just, it's just fun to sing it. Words, yeah. And the, like, I agree with you too. That bridge, it doesn't sound like it, it really belongs, but it's it is the perfect bridge for it because the song has the the right amount of chaos, the right amount of melody in the chorus, and then you get this kind of quiet bridge. And if this clock keeps ticking away. Time be hesitated, and then it builds. We you know, must he, be waiting. Do you know what I mean? Those yeah, those it's a great build. Thrown in oh, there. It's great, man. It's a great song, man. It's a yep, great. No, one. that's 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 a good one. That's that's a four B right there. Tell you All what, right. let's play it real quick. Uh, we'll talk about a couple other songs and then kind of wrap it up. Sound good? Yeah. No, that's whatever. I could talk about every fucking one of these songs. Uh, that's true. We could. So here's a pattern against user from. At the drive-in. So this was your... Do we have anything else on this? Lyrically, musically? No, what do you think? I, I think we should just run through every song real quick. Because okay. I do think each one of these are very important. Yeah, let's do it. So Maybe maybe uh, like maybe like we'll start with Sleepwalk. What bees is for you? What do you love about it? And then move on. Okay, sounds good. Sleepwalk is my 7B. Um, I just, it starts out heavy right away. The back and forth of Cedric and Jim is fucking solid. That bridge incorporating the, the, the bridge uses that same main riff, Oof. but adds that high guitar part. Oh, it's, it's, per, it's perfect. It's just the right amount of that. It's, it's absolutely perfection. I fucking love Sleepwalk Capsules. This is one that dropped though. I thought this was going to be a lot higher in my, my ratings, but it, it really, really did drop, but it's still a fucking banger. So what do you got on this one? What, uh, well, B was this for you again? This is my seven B. So Sleepwalk is my five B. Okay. I like I like the sequencing coming right off of uh, One Arm Scissors. There's a lot of noise at the end of One Arm Scissors. Yeah. And so you think it may go into like Inval Letter Department, but it goes into Sleepwalk and it's just it's fucking chaotic. Yeah. I like, like Cedric's right pacing. I like his delivery. The bridge, I think, is very, very early at the drive in. Kind of melodic, kinda goofy. And that riff right after the bridge. Dude, it's just so fucking good. And this, uh, I don't <laughs> yeah. know, there's the, like the, the sort of dueling riff in that last verse. Man, that's the shit, dude. This this song is fucking, this song is good. It really, really is. So uh, we got Mannequin Republic we haven't talked about yet. This is my 4B. More than 6B. 6B. Okay. So what do you got on this one? Dude, that bass line, so nice. This drops <laughs> so nice and Cedric is just, he just fucking screams. Like, this is, yeah. fuck it. Just scream, bro. 
I love how the lead guitar and bass play off each other here, like they're dueling. And I think this song is more about music than it is about Cedric. Cedric's kind of coming in afterwards. Um, yeah. And that first chorus to that little instrumental bit, God damn, is so sick. And then we get that fall and that Cedric scream again. Woo! I agree. This is this is a, definitely more of a punk song. Um, I, I this one's I always whenever I play the drums like by myself, which is like earbuds in. I love playing Manic in Republic. It's it's a pretty pretty um, not I don't want to say basic song, but it's just a fucking ton of fun to play. It's more more of a bass driven song, um, and and because it just this bass fucking cuts through so so nice, and I love the the quick stops, it drops into like that heavy wild riff, then back into the the fast paced like kind of punk thing like it's it's a back and forth song but it never loses loses its intensity i i, I fucking love mannequin republic killer so that's, that's my four so then we get okay. uh we we drop down into what which we haven't talked about rolodex propaganda this is the iggy pop one where's this where does this one sit for you it's my 10b okay this is this, my 5b i guess this would be the second worst song on the album for really? me you think if i were so? doing bees yeah but why i love that I, I do really really love this fucking song and it's, it's just a matter of i have nine songs that i think are better um this one's crazy there's a lot of guitar noise and the gang vocals like this song reminds me of a more straightforward kind of like post-hardcore sound of their mm-hmm. early days just with better guitars i think iggy pop brings the fucking heat on this one I love the way he says replica. The replica! <laughs> like he's just being a total douche about it. <laughs> he does, yeah. I, man, this like bringing it back, just the picture of them in the studio is just like, this is, this it's is so it. Awkward. Iggy Pop is just on a different fucking plane, yeah. right? Cause, and again, I'm not a big Iggy Pop fan or Stooges or whatever, but like clearly I know that Iggy Pop is just on a different plane than not the driver at this point. But it's good. There's a little bit of like background soundscapes from the keyboards take a little bit away from me here and i think that's that's why it's so low the the soundscapes the yeah synth? especially the keyboards there's a lot of there's a lot of synth sounds yeah there is yeah well even even when they would play the song live uh cedric would actually play guitar and jim would play the synth and do obviously the 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 back and forth vocals and and i, I like that like i like that that cedric could play like it was pretty very very easy guitar parts and then of course omar was doing his whole his whole thing but also what was cool live was that you know you had all three of them singing because omar would sing iggy pop's parts cedric obviously sing cedric and jim would sing their parts but it was just cool seeing the band be so collaborative yeah so fucking on point yeah Yeah, involved yeah that's a better way of putting it but i i actually really like the synth i think the synth i think it was a really good touch to this entire song I, I really really like that part Iggy Pop is he just sounds out of his fucking mind on this and the whole story behind <laughs> that real quick is that Omar jokingly said oh we should get Iggy Pop on the record and actually Iggy was was talking about doing a record with Ross Robinson and Ross is like well I know him I'll call him and he just showed up like the next day and he spent the whole day in the studio with him and then they recorded this song along with the intro to Infilad so yeah, it was it was kind of like a last minute thing that they they had no idea that Iggy Pop would actually show up to do this out of, out of like a wild suggestion. So <laughs> this song is very it's a very very straightforward song, nothing too crazy, no crazy noodling, nothing like that. I I love it. I love the song for its simplicity musically and then the craziness of the vocals. 
because Jim does a lot of cool shit on this song too, vocally, which I really like. But anyway, what are you gonna whatever? Let's get okay. into uh, quarantined. What do you got on this one? What does this sit for you? It's my AB. Um, fucking sick bass line. I love the way everyone comes in. It's just so damn smooth. There's mm. some really amazing vocal melodies on this song, like especially the chorus. The music is kind of like setting up Cedric's parts super well. And I think this song, this song is more of like a Cedric song than anything else. Yeah. But there are some really, really cool, like amazing musical parts. And it's not often on this album where like I'm focusing more on the melodies of the vocals than I am the music because obviously it's at the drive-in. It's a lot of staccato stuff, a lot of aggressive, frantic shit. But this song, I think Cedric really tried hard on. Yeah, I would I would I would agree. He did. This song, obviously it's a slower jam. I got not just because of the thunderstorm that starts the song off, but there is so much Black Sabbath on this song with that bass line. That that killer bass line is very kind of Yeah, that's it's not as busy. It's not as busy as Geezer, but it's dude, the tone it's the tone. The tone of it, the the song is very kind of stoner rock in moments um there's a nice little build-up that happens and the back and forth between cedric and jim is fucking great too like that's a, like Eating we've talked about it. it's so underrated it's, contagious. it's great man it's a it's a great one and we touched upon the lyrics a little bit on this one kind of bringing it back you know to human trafficking and all that but quarantine's a good one this is this is my 10b if we're going if we're taking out the ex- the the bonus tracks, this is my my ten B. It's my eight B. So good song though, good song, good song. Great so song. cosmonaut, what does that sit for you? Cosmonaut, this is my nine B. I uh, love the guitar riff. It's, I think it's unique, even mm-hmm. for this type of record. I think this is one of the most unique guitar riffs on the record. There's a lot of hardcore elements to this one, like a lot of that staccato breakdown sounding shit, but just they're not making it a breakdown. They're just incorporating it into the music. And this is the, my most forgotten about song on the album is Cosmonaut. Even yeah. reading the lyrics, um, when I was just kind of like going through the lyrics, I was like, how the fuck does this go? I couldn't remember how it went, even reading the lyrics. But <laughs> it's still as hectic as most of the album. And it brings some like decent vocal melodies too. And cool guitar parts. I like it. Yeah, I would agree with you. This is besides some of the slower songs, this is one of the one of the the ones I don't want to say it's forgotten, but it's Yeah. It's forgotten. It, it is kind of forgotten. But then when you listen to it, it really it really hits so hard. I think it's because it's not like a, an overly catchy song like you know, one arm scissor fucking any of the songs really. This is like one of the least catchiest songs, but Overall, it's a pretty heavy and aggressive one. Um, there's some pretty cool drum parts going into the chorus. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's just a good song, but nothing really stands out. So that's why right. it's kind of a lower B for me too. So this is my nine B as well. Okay. So, and then know. non-zero. Yeah, technically the last song on the record. So that's this is my, my least favorite song. That's my eleven B. Yeah, same here. Or my I, 13B, I, if I was... There, there are things that I like about it. Like, what's cool about this one is how it goes from straight, like, ballad to a blend of their own at-the-driving, specific, iconic, unique sound, mm-hmm. but it's still a ballad. I think it the is. piano is cool. And adding that, like, zappy noise sound, fucking whatever that is, to the end of the verse before the chorus hits, I think it's a cool ad. It's cute. I, I dig. 
Yeah. And, and oh, and, and, and my favorite, like maybe my favorite part of the entire album, Cedric wise, is the way he sings, let's just paint your pretty face. The way he sings that, man. It's solid. I don't remember that part. Paint your pretty face. If I could <laughs> sing better, would, but that's how he sounds. I mean, it's so good. You and I are really amazing singers, and we deserve to have a the best. Yeah, we deserve to have. We're like, just as good as Tom and Mark. Fuck, man, come on. <laughs> Non-zero Shit. possibility, though. It's just I. It starts with that piano. It doesn't really. The song doesn't go anywhere. It's just kind of a lot of the same kind of ballad, slower jam thing. It's a good song, but. Like I said, with with invalid, it's just I when I when I listen to this record, when I when I listen to this band, I want to hear chaos, and this this song doesn't deliver that, but it's still a good song, just not really in the context of this record. But I understand yeah. it's it's necessity because you can't have all chaos. Well, you can, but it's not going to make for a well-rounded record. But anyway, yeah, but like that's what that's what invalid letter department should have should have been invalid invalid letter department should have been the only song or one of the only few songs that sounded like that. I agree. I, I, I think you could have, I think you could have cut the non-zero and cosmonaut and added catacombs and extracurricular and it would be fine. I agree. I agree. I mean, the only thing I want to say about the two bonus songs, catacombs, that is the head, the, it's the most aggressive song on the record. Dude, it's so fucking it is. good. The it's, little guitar part in the beginning, the beginning that's just Omar yes. doing that chord fucking thing. That yes. oh my god, that reminds me. So okay, so so in the beginning part where Omar's the that reminds me so much of I Am Alpha. Oh really? Okay, dude. Like friends I don't of the know, pod, Dane and Wes. Yeah. Dude, friends of the pod, Dane and Wes. I don't know if they drew inspiration, but I remember they did a song and it sounded so much like that. I was like, oh my god. This sounds I don't like remember them. that. Okay, but goddamn, catacombs! Catacombs is my favorite of the two extracurricular and, and catacombs. Mm-hmm. But I do like, I do like extra, extra curricular, extra curricular. That <laughs> <laughs> just goes into. Oh my god, the songs <laughs> are so good. It's so rushed when he sings that part too. I love <laughs> it. But catacombs, man, it's 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 the the pace of it is fast. It's just Cedric screaming his fucking head off. The entire time, like it, there are parts where it's just like it's just the drums doing that that beat, and then Omar or Jim, whoever is just playing that that kind of that kind of offbeat guitar riff, guitar chord. I mean, and then Cedric is just losing his fucking mind screaming. It's it's such a crazy cool song, and it sucks that it wasn't on. I mean, it's on technically, it's on the record, but. I don't know, what man. A fucking banger. What a closer. What a closer. Catacombs yeah. is fucking an insane. If catacombs movie. is a cl- we'll say catacombs is a closer. Yeah. And that's a We gotta. We gotta that, do that. That's a closer. That well, that's well, a closer, dude. It is, dude. That's what you call a closer, dude. Well. Wow. All right. So we did it. Um let's Look at let's that. let's give our final thoughts on relationship of command. And we will rate this based off of our world-famous three-point rating system where three is a perfect album, two is a good album you're going to continue to listen to, one is a bad album, but give it a shot, and zero is the worst thing you've ever heard. So what do you got? Go. So many thoughts is running through my head. Uh, I guess I guess I will say that like my favorite part this week was listening to Omar and then realizing how great Jim was and how much influence Jim had on Omar's writing overall. Mm-hmm. I don't think... 
I don't think Omar would be where he is today had it not been for like Jim's overbearing rhythmic tone. I, I think yeah. I, I think mm, because you can fucking hear it. You can hear the first couple EPs, and then when Omar was on bass, it's all rhythm guitar. There's really no solos. There's no high end guitar. When Omar jumps to the high end guitar parts, then you kind of hear like Omar starting to like become in like the infancy stage. But Jim's still like beating him down with that rhythm, like rhythm, bro, rhythm, rhythm. And like I've never taken guitar lessons, but I've I've been to guitar lessons for other people. Mm-hmm. And I know that like the thing they teach you in the beginning is to keep time. Like yeah. time time is time is everything. And I've jammed with people that have never taken lessons, including myself, where time has been like like the downfall of, of, of jam sessions. If you, if you can't keep, keep time, then you're fucking just, just go home. It's <laughs> awful. And I think Jim helped shape Omar to be what he is today. And I've never realized that until this week. And I think Jim is an underappreciated member of this band. Agreed. But I don't, I don't think that he's done anything extravagant outside of just helping Omar to be the best he could be. He's but, been a great uh, rhythm player. But god damn man, this band to call this band like post hardcore is, is is just like a I don't know. It's it just feels weird. I, I can't even think of another band to pigeonhole them into a certain genre that does not even correctly identify what they even sound like. Um so so at the drive in is just something so unique. They were something so unique. They are something so unique. Even Interalia is very, very unique in the in the scope of, of post hardcore dumb. Um <laughs> I don't know. This this album's perfect. This is a three out of three. It's silly boy talk to think Oof. otherwise. I, I was reading this one article or this one inter, or this one yeah, there was an article. I think it was the Guardian or Pitchfork or somebody gave this album like a like a, a six point one out of ten when it came out. God damn it, you should check it out. It's it's it, it's it's one of the, the the citations on the Wikipedia okay. and you can read it. And and the 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 article was written in the form of a mock debate between Al Gore and George Bush. What? And let me tell you, I've I've read a lot of dumb fucking articles in my life a lot. <laughs> but this is maybe the worst fucking thing I've ever read in my goddamn <laughs> life. Somebody thought that was a good idea of writing a mock I I can't I'm just uh, just just read it. It's so bad. <laughs> that sounds so bad. It's so dumb. It's wow. it's fucking pathetic and they give us 6.1 out of 10 yeah that's it, yeah you're an idiot you're that's <laughs> dumb you're dumb now this, this is a dumb. perfect album i think everybody here shines in a way that that nobody else has ever done in this genre of music and yeah i i omar says he's a little unhappy with with the with the wallace mix i get it i man i, I would really love to see an album after this right after this from at the drive-in because I think this is like their 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 never mind, but I really would have loved to hear like an in utero from them a couple years, maybe even a year Damn. after this, that would without been... like a big name producer. Yeah, what would be so cool like if they had somebody mix this record who's not Omar, and had them mix it, you know, less polished than Andy Wallace. That I mean I would I would totally be down to hear a remixed version of this record. That'd yeah, be so just sick. even 
Dude, throw me demos, bro. Throw me demos. Throw me right? takes. Throw me just riffs. Throw me whatever fuck you got. I don't know. Give me a box set. Fuck, man. Why is Re- Record Store Day 2024? Box set. Relationship of Command. Right? Should have happened three years ago. Two years ago. <laughs> True. We can we can do the, uh, the fucking 25th anniversary in two years. Damn. Can you imagine a relationship or a fucking massive at the driving box set? God damn. With all the EPs. The the LPs, you know, with relationship, we get like, you know, the demos of all the songs. Can you fucking imagine how amazing that would be? A lot of, so like, I, I don't know what this even means, but when I'm playing on Spotify, some of these, it's, it says Cloud Zeal at the bottom of, of the Spotify thing. So oh, that's the I pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was at the drive in. Last, last I heard, Clouds Hill didn't get the, um, they didn't get the right stat to drive in. Yeah, because if you if you look at because I'm on relationship of command, if you go to the bottom. It's not. It's it's not Clouds Hill. Fucking bitch. Yeah, relationships not because I, I remember that was a thing when when they were talking about yeah when they were talking about re releasing old Cedric Omar stuff at the drive in wasn't in the cards because it was because of record label stuff whatever. Yeah, if you look at In Casino Out, it still says Fearless Records, a division of Concord. Yeah, so does fucking Acrobatic and yeah, <coughs> Interalia, which always like is rise, that expensive but, from buying from Rise Records. Like, but I, I know Diamante like is Cloud. Oh no, Diamante's Rise. Oh shit, I thought it was Cloud Hill, but it says it's Rise. Copyright Rise. All right. Well, I don't know if there's any if there's any bone in Johan's body that is that is just. Or not, well, there's obnoxiously not. fucked. Then he should. Uh, I don't know. Give us a give us a at the driving box set. Give us a <laughs> fucking de, de facto box. I don't care. Well, he they, he, Cloud Hill did do de facto because that's why de facto is on Spotify now or on the streaming sites now because Cloud Hill got everything. They got everything Omar did except for um, at the drive-in. Everything, I think even anti mask, but. Yeah, so so at the driving is the only thing. So if you look on de facto, I think I'm pretty sure it's going to say Clouds Hill. Maybe that's what I was looking at. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Because they they um I remember him when the fucking Mars Volta box set came out. He was teasing, you know, doing a de facto thing, doing an Omar Omar box set, but it being like five thousand dollars because it's like a hundred records. Wow, what a like bitch, dude! First of all, don't fucking tease anything. <laughs> Unless you have definite plans yeah. to actually release it, and second of all, don't fucking tease something that is so far beyond like, like like the reach of of a normal person. Yeah, well, fuck has five thousand. You fuck off. <laughs> now I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm time. mad. I'm mad. So mad. <laughs> all right, still get a perfect three though. My my final thoughts on relationship of command. Um, this is this is something very unique within the genre within within within. Within the music industry, nothing has really sounded like at the drive-in. Still has never sounded like at the drive-in. Cassedric, um, Omar, like everything about this band is so, so unique. The closest band that you could compare it to, which we didn't even talk about, would be Refused. What Refused was doing a couple of years prior to Relationship of Command is very much in the same vein as what this record is. So I feel like they took a lot from Refused, which a lot of bands did. I know your your thoughts on Refuse. You're very kind of lukewarm on it, but 
they are truly I like, an I like the album band. that we did. I fucking own the vinyls. I bought it. Oh, that's right. You did. You did buy The Shape of Punk. I give it a perfect three. It's you fantastic. did. That's right. That's right. But you still talked a lot of shit. Because everything else is fucking dumb. Let's <laughs> just get out of here. That's stupid. Silly boy talk. Anyway, what they did was so unique, sonically, musically, vocally. Everything was so cool. Ross Robinson being involved, which we already talked about a lot, or I did. Um, I don't know, man. I don't give a fuck. It's a three out of three. I don't do it often. I don't give this kind of rating no. a lot. It's a three out of three. Wow. It's perfect. I got the OG oh. pressing. I'm stoked I got the OG pressing. I'm just... I'm just happy to be here, guys. Just happy to be here. <laughs> just happy to be here. So, I don't know, man. I don't know, Jerry. God damn, this is a good fucking album. It truly is. There's there's nothing like Relationship of Command. <laughs> damn, so, we do some albums on the pod, and then we do some fucking albums on the pod. And we like, do Poison on the albums. pod, and we do fucking, I don't know, <laughs> whatever. I'm tired. <laughs> Crazy for that one, Rick. Okay. All right. Well, that's all I got. Do you have anything else? That's it. That's all. All right. Thank you all for listening. Give us five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Hope you enjoyed it. New metal season has officially ended with this record, even though it's not a new metal record. It's officially ended. <laughs> and um, next week is going to be good. So that's it. That's all. Oh, <laughs>and he yeah. like grabs it because he's like oh yeah this hit me kind of hard <laughs> and like uh, dude I I guess we can talk about Big Day Out now because might as well yeah Omar and Cedric were out of control fucking yeah. out of control at some point Cedric shoves his mic under oh, the back of Omar's t-shirt and sings through his t-shirt <laughs> and then he gets mad that- at the fucking crowd for moshing <laughs> <laughs> like Omar doesn't even like miss a beat doesn't even probably yeah. didn't even fucking notice yeah probably because yeah his fucking guitar is flying around and this is like this is like peak Omar when he has his like legs together, and then the yeah. next like millisecond they're like splitting. They're apart. noodles. Yeah, they're fucking. Yeah. His legs are like noodles. <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> insane. <laughs>